truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to be a part of the program today. Or you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show and the last name is D-E-A-C-E. We've got uh, Buy, seller Hold coming up a little bit later on in hour number two. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us. Uh, he'll be dropping some truth bombs on what is really going on at the border and what he thinks the White House really ought to be doing about it as we speak. That's coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Our friends at Swiss America, they like to drop truth bombs as well. And their latest truth bomb is called The Secret War. And one of the things they do at Swiss America is they st- they take a look at global socioeconomic geopolitical trends and start connecting the dots so that their clients are ahead of the curb uh, or curve, I should say. And frankly, right about now, you want to be ahead of the curb too uh, if you're getting curb stomped in the culture like we currently are. Uh, but uh, they want to make sure you're ahead of the curve in what's coming up so you can protect what is rightfully yours. The worker is worth their hire and they believe that at Swiss America. So they're concerned when they see a couple of recent trends. Right now, government is demanding that, uh, that big banks uh, not only uh, make every transaction taxable, but also trackable and therefore blockable. And when they see an American company like Google working with the Chinese government to create a social credit system that's right out of a Black Mirror episode, they want to make sure that you are forewarned because that is forearmed. If you want to get this free report, just give them a call at Swiss America, 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or you can uh, just visit their website at Swiss America, all one word, SwissAmerica.com. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by an update on the situation at the southern border. A federal judge decreed from on high this week that Democrats in the House of Representatives cannot sue President Trump's plan to divert funds for the building of parts of a border wall. That's good news, no doubt, but it pales in comparison to the rest of the bad news on the southern border. Last week, Customs and Border Protection announced the apprehension of a group of 116 people from Africa trying to enter the country on the southern border. 35 from Angola, 1 from Cameroon, and 80 from Congo. And that last country, Congo, is currently experiencing the largest outbreak of the deadly virus Ebola in recent memory. In the state of Texas alone, and according to conservative reviews, Daniel Horowitz, who cited an anonymous source from Customs and Border Protection, over 71,000 illegal aliens were apprehended between points of entry in the state in the month of May. That puts the yearly pace at nearly a million people coming across the border illegally in Texas alone. It was, is, and will be a continuing crisis at the southern border. Moving on, the next few stories are extremely dark and extremely sad. Noah Patoven was a 17-year-old Dutch girl who was sexually abused as an 11-year-old and raped three years later. Since that time, she more than understandably was saddled with immense PTSD and depression. 
This week, she was legally allowed to kill herself with the help of a quote-unquote doctor, as euthanasia has been legal in the Netherlands since 2001. Because she was 17, she was considered an adult, and her parents could not legally prevent her from seeking to kill herself. Music superstar Miley Cyrus announced her collaboration with Planned Parenthood yesterday by releasing this photo. And if you're just listening to the podcast, well, that's probably a good thing. A new documentary by PBS's Frontline depicts a woman aborting her two twin babies. So do you have any questions before we get you started here? No. A great procedure for women who want to feel like they have control over the procedure, who wants to just have everything happen in the privacy of their own home. The drug Mefepristone RU486 was approved by the FDA in 2000. Medical abortions now account for roughly a third of all abortions in Pennsylvania. This is the first pill you're going to take. This is the one called the mifepristone. This is the stuff that makes the pregnancy stop growing and start to unattach a little bit from the uterus. It gets the process started. Okay. So you swallow that down like a regular pill. Okay. 24 hours later, she takes another pill called mesoprostol that helps to induce the cramping and the bleeding that will actually help her body push the pregnancy tissue out of her uterus. This is the mesoprostol medicine. Gives you a little bit of the miscarriage symptoms. Okay. Okay. And then you have your follow-up appointment made? I do. Okay. A week or two? Yes. Okay. That's really important because we want to see... What I hope I feel is a sense of peace, not only with myself and in the decision that I've made, but also a sense of peace with these two beings that I've chosen not to bring into the world. Thank you for choosing me, and I'm honored to be given this gift of life. And also, I I can't do it right now. I can't accept that mantle. In New York, you can kill your unborn child just moments before birth, but pretty soon you may not be able to declaw your cat. A bill making its way through that state's legislature would make the surgery illegal. Assemblymember Lisa Rosenthal said, quote, Cat declining is a horrific yet often practiced surgery that leads to a lifetime of pain and discomfort for thousands of cats. Moving on, a new Pew poll found that just 18% of Americans believe humans have always existed in their present form, with an overwhelming 81% of Americans saying some form of evolution explains our existence. Former Broward County Sheriff's Deputy Scott Peterson was arrested and charged yesterday with multiple counts of child neglect for his lack of action in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas school shooting in 2018 that left 17 people dead. Peterson had been posted as a school resource officer and uncovered video shortly after the attack shows him cowering outside as a gunman shot up the school. Chris Cuomo, your thoughts. I guess what really gets me is this is what we decide to act on. Right. This is this is the move that makes the most sense after a shooting. This is the best we can do. Like I say, it's often misunderstood, but it's true. Only in America do you respond to something like this. After a smear and censor campaign by journalist Carlos Maza of Vox against Blaze TV host Steven Crowder for saying mean things about him, YouTube announced last night that none of Crowder's YouTube videos violated its terms of service and essentially told Vox to get bent. Multiple NBA teams are apparently considering moving away from the term owner to describe the person who, you know has the team because racism. Joe Biden all but said the Trump administration is killing men who feel pretty. We've already had five just this year 
five black transgender women killed violently in 2019. It's outrageous. It must, it must, it must end. And the fastest way to end it is end the Trump administration. Speaking of Joe Biden, his campaign had to amend a newly proposed climate policy after various passages in the document contained. Okay, let me just cut to the chase. His campaign plagiarized his radical climate change policy. It's not really a new thing for him, though. And finally, washed up psycho Betty Midler was forced to apologize for a statement she attributed to me that turned out to be totally fabricated by her in order to make your greatest president look really bad. She got caught just like the fake news media gets caught, a sick scammer. (sighs) Who the hell is Betty Midler? And that's what happened while we were away. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Aaron. What's up? It's uh, it's Bette Midler. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say about unintentional humor? Is always the best. <laughs> unintentional humor is always the best, yes. For the first time since, I don't know, about 1981, we are being made to care what Bette Midler thinks. About anything. Did you ever know you're my hero, Steve? I hate that song. I mean, <laughs> I hate it. Them, I, I am confident it's played in hell. You are the wind beneath I, my wings, Steve. I, I am confident that it's played in hell. It, oh, it's a tor- it's, there, it's my a, inspiration. It, it's Does a torture hurt? room in hell. Yeah. So 1991, I think that's when that song came out. So I was 10 years off, but that's still like a long time ago. Um, you, you may wish you had itchy ears. After after listening to that last uh, update and montage from Aaron, but that wouldn't really play into what I have to say next. So, do you want to get rid of your itchy ears that you probably wish right now that you had? Uh, would you like to get rid of that plugged up feeling that right now you might prefer you would have had over the last uh, few minutes? Uh, but that's where our friends uh, at WaxRx come into play. Uh, millions of Americans are forced to go to the doctor each and every day. Uh, or each and every year, I should say, uh, because they have put off for too long the wax buildup in their ears. Why do they put it off? Because it's a hassle, right? It, it, it's going to take a couple of hours out of your day, and that's if everything goes well, all right? Between the weights, the process, uh, the prescriptions afterwards, etc. And you put it off, you put it off until it just gets unbearable, right? What if that doesn't have to be the option anymore? You can DIY it in the comfort and convenience of your own home with WaxRx, which uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes that ear wax, build up it, then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula, just like they do for you at the doctor's office. And now you can use WaxRx without a prescription as well. Just go to the website, usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. Use offer code radio at checkout for free shipping when you go to usewaxrx.com. So enough enough about Betty Midler. Uh, in today's overtime, uh, exclusively for our Blaze TV subscribers, we're going to talk about um, the arrest of the, the, the coward of Broward uh, who stood out there and cowered and didn't defend innocent life and what is and isn't appropriate punishment for him. We're going to discuss that today uh, in the overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. Uh, let's, let's go, though, let's start with the PBS documentary, because I want to spend the majority of the time talking about Joe Biden, right? But the PBS documentary, and this is, 
we are we're here now. Okay, and over the last eight or nine years, I've been heavily involved. A lot of the stuff I said and did, I'm totally okay with and proud of. Not all of it. Some of it I'm not. Some of the times I went too far. And I, you know, we talked to Delilah Rose about that when he was, she was on our show last week. But it was all with the belief that eventually we were going to get to the place where the other side would stop lying. And they would just feed the itch all human civilizations have. It's an anthropological fact of human history. Every civilization has practiced some form of human sacrifice. There's an itch. And you know, what's when you look at the 10 commandments. And and really they are the they are the a basic revelation of the character of God. That's really what they are. And the first moral commandment, the first 5, you've probably heard this if you've ever been in any theo nerd circles before. All right, the first 5 deal with, you know, our vertical relationship with our creator, and the second tablet, the second 5 deal with our horizontal relationship with one another. Jesus said, "Hey, um, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Those are the first five commandments, okay? And then the next, uh, the next commandment is similar, he said. Uh, the next most important one, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so that second tablet are those five things that we do to practice that, or don't do. You know, God says, hey, if you want to show that love for your neighbor, don't do these five things. Number one is what? Don't murder. And so since all have, since as we heard from the great theologian Kathy Lee Gifford yesterday, props to her for tweeting this out, since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every human culture has shaken its fist at God and therefore every human culture in order to put its money where its mouth is and really show that it really meant it when it shook its fist at its creator has practiced some form of human sacrifice. Because it's one of the most ingrate things you can do as a rebellious child to a parent. And sooner or later, they would get out from behind the fancy schmancy talking points. And they would just say, you know what? We just want to kill people we don't want, guys. I mean, that's, that's, that's really what's going on here. That scene in that documentary is literally right out of the Unplanned movie. The short-haired, chirpy uh, attendant who hands Abby Johnson the, the, it's the instructions. Crazy. It's crazy. It's almost for a reenactment. It's almost a reenactment of the scene in the Unplanned movie. The, the, they, they are, the, nur- the nurses have a similar lur- look, a similar chirping. It's, it's you get nuts. get sick if you've seen Unplanned. You get sick listening to them, to, yes. that, to that woman uh, prescribe those drugs because you know what's happening next. And what it, but in the Frontline video, which is now real life, now Abby Johnson's story was real life too, Unplanned though, as a movie, okay? But in, 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 that, in that Frontline documentary, what does she say? She acknowledges these are beings that have worth. Thank you for the gift. Yeah, thank you for the gift. But you, you, I mean, you only thank someone for a gift if you think the gift has worth, right? I just, I don't want to have the hassle with it right now, but thank you. Anyway, we're here now. All other pro-life arguments except the principled ones are not going to work. They will get laughed off the stage. If you are a pro-life activist or organization working on pro-life license plates or some other regulatory, uh, you know, bill, you're, I mean, I mean, do the horses out of the barn 
And I mean, you can hear it like mating in the in the ranch next door. And you're with your ranch hands like, man, how do we get the right lock on there? Too late. Gone. Okay. It, we're going to have to actually, and, and, and thankfully, we're doing it now. See, that's one of the reasons why they're doing what they're doing, is we have finally provoked them to come out from underneath their, come out from their silos and be honest, because we are making principled legislation now. And so when those things go into the courts and lose, and, they, and barring providence, they all will initially. The, the, what, what our, what our, our, our co-president here at The Blaze, Gaston Mooney, uh, once dubbed when he worked on Capitol Hill for Jim DeMint, Big Baby. When Big Baby comes back now, because right now Big Baby is hiding under a rock. Because you got all these states doing all these pro-life, these principled pro-life uh, pieces of legislation. So when I went around, when, we, when I was involved in this around the country, National Right to Life, the Catholic Archdiocese opposed us in every state. You're not hearing a peep from them right now. Why? Because they know. They know the worm is turned in the pro-life movement. Folks are like, enough is enough. It's just, it's, we, it's time to end this now. It's time to end it now. Okay, done. And I, I, don't, I don't want any more arguments about incrementalism or how much money you can raise off of this or what the courts will permit. This has to end. And they have provoked some of that on our side too with what happened in New York and Virginia. So there's a symbiotic provoking going on. So when, you're, when our principal bills go to the courts and lose, and barring providence, they all will. Just like all the, the abolitionist laws uh, lost in courts, too, all the way through Dred Scott. What's going to happen? I'm, war- this is, I'm warning you now. Like I warned you years ago, we were going to get to this place where any argument other than a principled wasn't, wasn't going to work because they're going to say, you're right, it's a life. I just don't want it, but thanks anyway. We're here now. We're here. And you funded that last night, by the way. So I hope you enjoy those your tax dollars at work. I hope you enjoyed that. Okay? Now that we're here... What's going to happen is all the, the industry, pro-life industry, they're not movement, they're an industry people, are going to come back when we start losing in the courts. Well, that's why we got to do that. You know what? Curb stomp them. Curb stomp them. And tell them, hey, in fact, don't get out of the way. We're running over you. So just stay right where you are. All right? Don't listen to any of that. Because all of those arguments, all they will do is make sure we're going to do another 46 years of this killing. Because the cat's out of the bag now. I mean, you can't declaw a cat in New York City, but you can take a live child after it's, burned, after it's, after it's born, and um, you can dismantle it if you'd like. You can end it. When you're at that level of darkness, only searing light is noticeable. Flickers get drowned out. So... You know, all these arguments we've had and they've been, do we do heartbeat bills? Do we do personhood bills? Do we do sonogram bills? You know, I've written how many, how many columns have I done? Shows have I done about all these debates, Todd, all the, all these years, hundreds, as as many or more than anybody else in whatever actually is a movement. Yes, Yes, that's probably true. Here's the good news. That's all irrelevant now. Any argument that doesn't define that child as a life has literally no chance. None. Because now, now, now we have become the crowd outside of Lot's house. I just, I just wanted, I want a body count, but thank you for the gift. Thank you. Which brings us to Joe Biden. There's some uh, disturbing polling data from our home state out today. And what it shows is what we saw in 2018 
And what we saw throughout much of 2016 as well. Now, in 2018, it came true at the ballot box. In 2016, it didn't. Because in the end, as much as suburban voters in places where the three of us live, um, well, you kind of live maybe in much more of an exurb, right? What they call? Correct. Like, like, like I think it's Carlisle's where you guys live, yeah. right? Okay. Aaron and I literally live across the street from each other, basically. Okay. So we live in a pure suburb, but in, in, in exurbs and suburbs, are where elections are decided right now. And the, de- the, the Democrats won them pretty convincingly in 2018. Uh, you saw a nine-point swing to the Democrats from where things were in 2016 and 2014. Now, the polls showed that Donald Trump was in trouble with those voters heading into 2016. And then in the end, enough of those suburban voters just decided they couldn't stomach a Hillary Clinton, and he ended up winning them. Barely. And he ended up winning the presidency, barely. <laughs> Three states by less than 78,000 combined in total votes. Well, there's some polling data out that shows today in a home, our home state of Iowa, which is going to be one of these battleground states in the Electoral College, that from a suburban perspective, there is much slippage for Mr. Trump. Now, here's the difference between a 2018 and a 2016. In a 2018, and we saw this on the in, when we reversed it in 2010 and 2014, when it's a, you know you can look, folks may, if they don't like the chief executive, they can see a congressional midterm election as just a straight up and down confidence vote, a referendum vote. I want to send him a message. I don't like him. You know, somebody rein him in. Somebody spank him for me. I don't like you know whatever the whatever euphemism language they wish to use. That's people can treat midterm elections that way. We saw it in the 90s. All right. I mean, the Republicans won control of the Congress in 94, retained it in 98, despite, well, the impeachment hurt them. Well, they still retained control of Congress, despite that, for the first time in like 60 years. But what happened in 1992 and 1996 when it was Bill Clinton head-to-head with a Republican? They got smashed. So people, I mean, Barack Obama decimated the Democratic Party's numbers nationwide. From the time he took over in 2008 to the time he left office in 2016, Over a 1,000 incumbent Democrats nationwide for various offices lost their jobs in elections. And numbers of elected Democrats in this country when Barack Obama left the White House in January of 2017 were at their lowest since before the Great Depression and FDR remade the Electoral College map with the New Deal. And he decimated his party. But he got reelected twice. So when it was him versus a Republican head up, people were like, I still kind of like that uh, Mr. Cool Barack better. Um, but when you had a chance to just give a straight up and down vote on him and his policies and the way he was running the country, he got his clock cleaned. He got good. He got crushed in 2010, absolutely annihilated in 2014. We don't see nine seat swings in the U S Senate historically very often since the two parties were formed. In fact, it's, it's one of the most uh, vicious swings we've ever seen. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing the same thing now in the Trump era. When it's just, hey, I can I can give my up and down vote on Trump and whether I like uh, learning, who, remi- getting reminded who Betty Midler is and having him, the president tweet in quotation marks, you're great president, like some kind of fearless leader act. I get to go and vote no to that. And folks did all across the country last year. But now we're going to get to a situation where it's going to be head to head against somebody else. And one thing I've been consistent about when analyzing Trump's political fortunes on this show, going back to when... I was literally working for the Cruz campaign while on this show. And I even said it then. And so if you're a longtime listener to this show, you've probably heard me say this before. On his own, Donald Trump is a political loss leader, a liability. 
His persona grates on people. Um, and, and it creates a, a, such an in, such an, an incestuous cult of personality that it, that it, it, it repels people who otherwise might even like the decisions he makes. They just think the clown show is not something they want to be a part of. Right? We've always pointed that out. Yeah. What have we also pointed out, though? Give him a foil, though. And suddenly, he's the mouse that roared. He is king freaking Kong. Because you can't out-shameless him. You, you just can't. You can't out-hand-to-hand combat him. It doesn't work. And what we're seeing now with Joe Biden, and I said this last week on the show, and now we're watching it play out. See, now he's being asked to address issues leading into this, into this debate. And... And yesterday, what we saw was full-throat embrace. This all happened in one news cycle yesterday. Full-throat embrace of the rainbow jihad, meaning uh, Sikkim. Um, we're killing uh, people who have a mental disorder. And um, he plagiarized Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. This all happened in like one news cycle. I told you last week, if the Democrats, with the polling numbers in my, in, my, in my neighborhoods of Iowa, and I see it when I walk my neighborhoods, when, we, when, I, when we're around the people we're around, when I, when I go to a, my, my suburban megachurch, I see it. There's a lot of people that would like what they would view as an adult in the White House so they wouldn't have to address or confront the stupidity of what the hell is a Betty Midler. Do you guys see it in your neighborhoods, the people you talk to? Oh, yeah. Sure. And a lot of, let's face it, a lot of people we talk to, by and large, particularly in a state like I, we're going to be white and fair, fairly right of center in general. Maybe not, you know, lock, rock ribbed, you know, uh, Milton Friedman, uh, William F. Buckley, but, you know, they're not down with the, with, the, with the socialism clown. Think that's fair, too, in a state like ours, for the yeah. most part, particularly amongst the places where we live and hang out and the people we talk to? He's going to need every one of those voters. And a lot of them are turned off. They, they just don't like the shtick that generates a lot of clicks for us in our industry amongst the cult of personality. They don't like it at all. So if the Democrats were to provide a candidate, and if you think this won't work, it's worked every time the Democrats have done this. Yeah, we're not really, you know, we're not really leftist monsters. We're moderates. Bill Clinton tried it. Barack Obama in a way, yeah, I'm pro-marriage and I'm going to go speak to Rick Warren, right? And then once they get in office, of course, you know, the hammer and the sickles come out. Right. But, but if they if they if the Democrats nominated a candidate that made the American people feel as if adulthood was in vogue again, they could beat Donald Trump. They will not beat him like this. They won't. And it might be 71,000 votes, it might be 171,000 votes. But this is this is this is not the way Joe Biden becomes the next president of the United States. You're giving Donald Trump a foil. You're playing right into his hands. And he's going to exploit all these cultural flashpoints. He marinates in them. He loves them. He's good at them. And what, what, what I think, I want, I want us to mark the tape now. If Joe Biden is not the nominee of the Democratic Party, or he, or he is, but then doesn't defeat Donald Trump next November, I want us to remember this conversation and the new cycle this day where Joe Biden essentially threw off the return to normalcy charade and decided, man, I, I got to win the woke Olympics because yesterday seemed to be that day, Todd. Well, his his party 
his advisors, they know this is coming on some level. And so while they avoid it as much as possible, and this is why I've said there's no way that these polls are going to hold up. It, this is happening because, not because the people on the right are going to make sure he's exposed. The people on the right always let the left, the people on the left uh, uh, go on this kind of stuff. It, it's his own party that's going to push him there. And, and uh, it also, he's going to, we, we talked about this perhaps a year ago, that Joe might be the guy as the foil. He's salty and cranky enough and kind of odd in his own way that on a debate stage. But you know what? We were kind of thinking of the, the Joe, Joe Biden is starting to look a little yeah, the, long the in the Joe tooth Biden now. Joe Biden committed the plagiarism the first time he yes, ran. Yes, yes. Not this guy. Now, it's okay? not fault, Joe Biden's fault for getting old. We all get in there. I can't do what I did 10 years ago or when I was Aaron's age. But listen, he's just starting to look a little old. And but when he says stuff like this, he's going to look more and more ridiculous. Can you imagine trying to do this on that stage? There's people, I don't, you may think the people at 1% are a joke now, but they're going to own him on this stuff on that stage. I'm it's just going to tell you, I, I live in these neighborhoods. It's the same thing I warned you about last year when I said I live in these neighborhoods, he's in trouble. And I kept telling you all year long and we had the election and I was right. Well, I also live in these neighborhoods and I'm telling you, the, the, the antidote to Donald Trump is not um, uh, tranny madness. I'm just telling you, it, it, that doll ain't going to hunt. It might in 2028, but it doesn't. It won't do it in 2020. We'll come back. Daniel Horowitz will join us next. Stay tuned. Hey, coming up next hour, it's our weekly edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Plus, I've got a little a confession to make. In fact, I haven't even given Todd and Aaron a, a, a heads up on this. You know, So accountability is good for the soul. We'll talk about that uh, next hour as well. But if you are getting involved in the real estate market, I mentioned we were talking about su- the suburbs and suburban voters a few minutes ago. You know, And I'm also seeing in my neighborhood quite a bit, uh, yard signs, houses for sale. All right. So if, if you're going to get involved in the real estate market, you need to find a real estate agent that you can trust. Uh, real estate agents I trust is a company Glenn Beck and his associates started several years ago. Uh, frustrated with real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the desired results when they were needed the most. If you are looking for a real estate agent you can trust, you're looking for three things. Somebody who's got a trustworthy record of successfully navigating the real estate market, number one. Uh, number two, somebody who understands that data matters, but you got to look beyond algorithms to the outliers. Don't spare the details. Maybe there's a reason one home on your street sold for a lot more or a lot less than you think your home is worth. Does your agent uh, do the homework to know the specifics of what went on there? And then thirdly, and this is really basic, but is this somebody you can get along with that returns your calls that uh, you have, you can build a rapport with? This is a very stressful and personal process. You don't, the odds that it will be successful if it's not an agent that you have, uh, you know, a connection to, uh, even lower. All right. That's why you want to find a real estate agent that you can trust. And you can do that by visiting the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, if you watched Aaron's montage a little while ago, the number one lead story in his montage, the latest numbers and stories of what is happening at the border. And that's what I want to spend our time talking to our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation about this week as Daniel Horowitz is here from Conservative Review to take us inside politics. Daniel, how are you? We are doing all right. Thank God, Steve. So so the situation, the numbers that, that Daniel, that you have, that Aaron cited in his montage, 71,000 illegal migrations into Texas since what, April? 
just in the first 28 days of May, and that didn't include okay. the last three days, which had the record uh, thousand in one shot and what's, things like what's that. What's prompting this? Like the the, the idea that the, when, remember a few years ago when we had all the children at the border. And there was this notion that Obama was going to do an executive DACA amnesty, okay? And so when this when this started getting bandied about, parents are sending their children to the border to kind of get in, you know, before uh, you know the the the, the pen and the phone uh, button were hit, was hit by the former president. What is causing this mass migration though right now? What's the impetus for this? It's all a continuation of that. So it started with the notion that as a nation. We will not tolerate enforcement of our laws if someone has a child. You're right. It started with, you know, a mixture of the gang of eight. Remember, this gets out to these people, this obsession, that dream, dream act. You come with a kid. It's of no fault of your own. Um, then Obama came with DACA. That heated up in 2014. But then, you know what? He shut it down. I mean, I spoke with Tom Homan, who was the head of uh, um, removal operations within ICE before he became acting ICE director. And, and, and he said it on Fox and Friends on Friday that eventually he got the green light to shut it down. They advertised in uh, Central America. They put on all these media buys that you'll, you're going to be deported. And they started deporting them, and it slowed down. Then Trump gets elected in 2017, and it really, really slows down to a trickle because they think he's actually going to enforce the laws. Mm-hmm. But what happened was it started trickling up towards the end of 2017. You remember I would report on it every month, uh, late fall of 2017, because that's when even Trump, again, you know, DACA, we got to do something about those kids, the kids. So people started perking up again. But then what where it really took off was once that initial burst started growing again and Trump got frustrated, so then they started prosecuting. Right? They didn't separate families. They prosecuted. Just like if you or I break a law, God forbid, our kids will be sent over to child protective custody. That's just how it works. Foreign nationals don't have a better right not to uh, be prosecuted so as not to be separated. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we had a nationwide, not really from the people, but from the political media complex starting in July – or June of last year, about this time last year, oh my God, the kids, the kids, we created an international right to come here with a kid. Then that was codified by one man named Dana Sabra in the Southern District of California, a Bush appointee, along with Dolly G, another district judge in the Central District of California. Basically, I was going to use a different word, but bastardizing the INA where it says you shall be detained. He says, well, if you have a kid, it means you shall not be detained. Um, And then it just collapsed. And then rather than the administration doing the 10 things I've suggested, that they can do an 1182F shutoff, they could just shut off all migration at the border and say we're not accepting anyone. It overrides even asylum. All the things we've been pushing out, they kind of threw their hands up. I think they figured maybe the Supreme Court would step in. They never envisioned how bad it would get. And then it just collapsed in the ensuing months. It was just, and, and it was like, you know, rolling a stone down a down a hill. The more it happened, the more it's just like everyone came. And now it's so bad. It's not just Central America. They're coming from Congo, Cameroon, Angola, Niger, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, among many, many other places, Brazil, Ecuador, Cuba, um, 
obviously Nicaragua and some of the other countries a little bit south of, here's of the why Northern this matter here's why this should matter to our audience what you just said these locations um some of these are uh you know some of these are countries that have despotic regimes right some of them yep. these are African countries where Islamism is 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 gained more than a foothold but there's a there's a far more basic issue with this these are countries that that um, you often can't get a passport to visit or come back into the United States if you've been there without immunizations, yep. all right? So we've got this whole thing going on right now that if you don't want to get every single vaccine ever created, then you're anti-science and hate your kids and hate America, right? Yep. Okay, well, we're, gonna, we're now taking uh, uh, illegals from, from parts the of the world, yes, from parts of the world that if you were to travel there, like on missions trips, like I've talked about this, I went on a, I went on a mission trip to Haiti, uh, six and a half years or five and a half years ago, I wasn't going to, you know, they, my passport wasn't going to let me come back in unless all my immunizations were up to date before I left because it's the poorest country in our hemisphere. Okay. So now we're talking about, you're talking about a level of destitution far beyond even um, societal collapse. What's in, you know, rural Mexico or Honduras. You're, you're talking about real third world countries now that we are we're going to import this into the country without any kind of screening or anything whatsoever that to me is really the basic concern here am i wrong no that that's that's exactly the, the concern so here here's the deal um 1182 8 usc 1182 is the chapter a title of the ina that's in inadmissibilities the first inadmissibility a1 before terrorist you know criminals yada yada national security concerns is health concerns um, they're inadmissible. If you cannot show you've gotten vaccines, you're inadmissible. And if you and then 1222, yeah, I think it's 1222. Um, there's a subsection of that that says they must be held and incubated for a period of time that you could rule out diseases. So in other words, part of the problem is that they used to be able to say, Daniel, it's not a problem because we hold them. OK, so you assume they give them the immunizations and they're in there long enough that you could rule anything out. But now we know they're being released within hours, often not even being turned over to ICE, directly being released by CBP. And, you know, the bipartisan uh, um, Homeland Security Advisory Council report that just came out, they, they said blatantly they're not incubating them. We know that. So you have a massive mumps outbreak in Hidalgo County, Texas, which is the most trafficked uh, area of our border. And there was a mumps outbreak in Honduras. It takes 24 days to, to really get the symptoms in many cases. But as you noted, you go over to Congo. Congo has the worst Ebola outbreak, and right. that's deadly in, in um, ever, ever. Now, we had 116 people come from Congo, Angola, and Cameroon last week. So it was the first large caravan of Africans. They've been trickling in for a while. First large caravan. I want you to understand this. Angola and Cameroon have a measles outbreak. It's on CDC's website. So that in itself is a problem. But Angola closed their border to Con their northern border to Congo because of the Ebola outbreak. Yet we will not close our border to both Angola and Congo. We are more of a third world country than Congo is. And and what where does this all come from? Every illegal has a lawyer and a politician advocating every twist of immigration law to, to get themselves in. 
But there is no lawyer for the American sovereign saying, wait a minute, what about all these things that override? Asylum doesn't override national security, health concerns, not in the treaties and not in the INA. And there's nobody asserting this. The president's not using the bully pulpit to do it. No one around him is, is giving this idea. Freaking, and I'm going to call him out. Ted Cruz and Corn and all these guys bellyaching over tariffs are not saying what the hell it is they want the president affirmatively, affirmatively to do. They're just saying what they don't want him to you're, do. You're referencing, for those who aren't sure what you're talking about, the president is is putting a, a unilateral, what is a 5% tariff or something on? Threatening. Uh, threatening uh, all goods from Mexico in order to try to get them to sh- to uh, defend their border and the, and the flow of illegals across their borders into ours. That's what you're referencing. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and so what, what I hear you saying is, if you want to kvetch about uh, tariffs, fine. Then what's your, what? What is the alternative you want the Trump administration? You want to pressure them to engage and then to do something about this? Is that what I hear you saying? Exactly. And I didn't even get to the cartel stuff going on. I mean, this is just the health concerns we've been talking about. What the can, cartel? Can I, can I interject? Because yeah. since you went there, I was going to bring this up. But since you went there, now's the time to bring this in. As we were talking. Because I want to get to why the president won't label them a cartel, all right? Or the cartel's a terrorist threat. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm, I'm looking at Governor Greg Abbott's Twitter account right now, okay? The governor of Texas. And everybody loves Greg Abbott. He's done a great job, okay? But here, here are the tweets that he has made in the last five days. That's a lot. That, five days is an eternity in our news cycles today because we're aging dog years with this stuff, Okay. All right, so here's the here here are the tweets he has made since since May 30th. I'm just going to go down them. Governor Greg Abbott offers state resources to help Dallas police fight the increasing murder rate. Um, Texas Governor uh, signs historic legislation to end um, rape kit uh, uh, or to end rape kit testing, um, which apparently there was they were doing something with minors that hurt minors in this area. All right. Um, Greg Ab- Governor Greg Abbott and officer's widow demolish Houston Chronicle after lying about her. Um, today, I signed five laws that crack down on human trafficking and help victims of sexual assault. What would be one of the key sources of human trafficking in America? Uh, the border situation. Um, yeah. yeah. Next tweet. Uh, Texas Plumbers, we've got this. Uh, Texas Plumbers group calls for special session for some issue they want. He does have a tweet on June 4th. I agree 100%. Homeland Security says dangerous overcrowding at the El Paso Center. We asked Congress for four and a half billion. We need it immediately to uh, to secure all these but, illegals. That's the one thing but, he but says. But again, o- only only for the conditions of the illegals. Yes, Notice yes. not not the concern of what gets into Americans. June third, I just signed a law, and this is a video he put out. I just signed a law allowing you to order beer and wine from retailers to be delivered delivered to your home. Uh, June third, honored to host former ambassadors uh, ambassador from Japan. And the former commissioner of baseball in Japan. Uh, June 3rd, hardest working cities in America are mostly in Texas. June 2nd, one of the largest solar farms in America is beginning in construction in West Texas. Uh, June 1st, I just signed a law that bans red light cameras in Texas. May 31st, are you stung by medical bills? Texas is doing something about it. And then May 30th, uh, the Ocasio-Cortez Ted Cruz Alliance on, you know, banning members of Congress from becoming lobbyists. Those are the things, one out of those tweets 
has something to do with the border issue, but it's a peripheral issue about the conditions of the people coming here illegally. Nothing about the flood of the people coming here illegally. Meanwhile, members of Congress from his own state, like Chip Roy, are literally banging lecterns and having meltdowns on the floor of the House over this. But apparently the governor of the state just can't be bothered by it, Daniel. The governor and I would I would say the two senators, the, the people that have the biggest voices, they I mean, Cruz is better than Cornyn, but I mean, he's not been in Cruz mode. Uh, let's just say that Cornyn, the guy couldn't give a damn about the invasion of SIAs, of espionage, of gangs, cartels, drugs, endless previously deported criminals in his state. But the minute Trump does something and you and I would. It's the same vicious cycle. We would do things a little different. We would message them different. But, you know, he at least is trying to do something. And all they care about is his reaction to the invasion. Well, it speaks to a point that you have made about Trump from the beginning. You can't ask a guy who's not a true believer in our causes. Let's just be honest about it. Okay, but he has chosen. He has has shown that he is because he wants our support. He has been sensitive to our interests when they coincide with his personal interests. Right. We can't ask him to exceed what the what the movement itself is doing. Here are the actual executives, men who have statewide offices in Texas, who seemingly as you and we've mentioned three of them who seemingly cannot be bothered about this. You know, and, and so why would we expect the president of the United States to do more about this or care more about it than the people who are actually on the ground in this state where this is happening to seem to care about it, right? I know for a fact that I am briefed on things that the president of the United States is not briefed on, and that's a big problem. And the only way he'll find out is if it's on Fox News. But you know what? They don't talk about this. I had a prominent sheriff who um, is this big supporter of the president. He had at a Lincoln Day dinner a famous conservative come and speak. And he said, like, all the guys spoke about was Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And yep. he's like, dude, I mean, we got an invasion. Russian yeah, collusion guys. and Spygate. And yeah, he's got MS-13. I'll just read to you literally right now from a line agent on Sunday. This is one tiny area in Texas on Sunday when we had 1,232 apprehensions. The swing shift watch commander took every agent off the line to handle the situation that allowed 347 known getaways to get in. Um, the cartel, just like any other insurgency, watches and records our every move so they can gain the upper hand in all their operations. They saw how we responded to that traffic on Sunday. They see how we are not prosecuting. They see how the government has left us behind. All right, I'm, I'm almost out of time. Tell our audience in about a minute why you believe it is important that the president labels these drug cartels as terrorist groups. What, what it, why does that matter so much? Messaging, focus, and strategically that will orient our, everything, our mindset and our operations towards looking at our border, not as some domestic policy immigration issue, but a national defense military issue. If we had ISIS or al-Qaeda flowing um, a group of migrants that empowers them and then strategically— From continents away as, now, like the Congo, yeah, like from continents away, yeah, right. To, to get in every ill. They truncate the geography that separates us from every ill in the world you can imagine— we would we wouldn't like adjudicate our way out of it. We would use the military and we would use them for real, not for fake. We would bring down SOCOM, the special operators, to deal with them. By doing that, you know what else you solve? Yes, the immigration issue, but it's better messaging because it's all in the cartels. It's a, it's a military issue. And guess what? The courts have no jurisdiction 
over his commander in chief powers. Now they'll try. They'll try to. But that's the thing. The president could do this tomorrow. Mm. But again, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Mm. Throwing a little GPS and some Christopher Steele. There you go. You got the makings of a star is born. That's how you make yourself your latest star here in conservative media. Good to see you, Daniel. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Hey, it'd be really creepy if you had a, a stoplight at your dinner table telling you when it was time to stop eating, which is why nature, your creator, put one in your body. It's called OEA. It's a signal that goes from your gut to the brain that says, hey, we're full here. We're good here. Uh, let's move on and get active again. Thanks for, thanks for the food. Uh, however, uh, for some of us, that signal is weaker than it needs to be, uh, and it should be. And then for some of us, as we get older, it weakens and diminishes as well. That's where Riduzone comes in. They, they want to see if maybe they could help you have that missing link to finally win the battle uh, against the bulge. Uh, and, and all they want to do, this is not a bunch of chemicals. It's not a stimulant, no caffeine. They just want to put that OEA back in your body where it needs to be to get that metabolism that uh, you were given by your creator to work the way it was intended to. If you want to give this a shot right now, they'll give you a special offer when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code. When you go to the website, riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com. We'll come back. We've got buy, sell, or hold. But first, I got a little confession, a little accountability. We'll get to that here uh, in just a moment. Live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. We're back with hour two here on The Blaze, live and on demand. And if you are listening to us today on demand, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Only if you like us, of course, don't lie on our behalf. But if you do like us, uh, we do appreciate those reviews. The more of those we get, the more likely we are to find more people like you and get to continue to doing this uh, for a living as well. Thousands of you have done this for us already. Thank you to each and every one of you. 888-900-3393 is the number here to The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you're thinking about... What's a cool vacation for next year? How does uh, sailing the Mediterranean on a ship full of passengers who share your thirst for history and love of country sound? Some gourmet Italian food, great nightlife, relaxing poolside on the deck, and, and maybe a chance to walk through history as well. Visit Italy, Croatia, Jerusalem, Israel, Athens, Greece. Explore the roots of Western civilization. Where did this notion of a republic, uh, democratic ideals, small d, uh, where, did, uh, you know, where did our moral values come from? Walk where Christ and the apostles walked. Uh, go to the roots of Western civilization that gave birth to this thing called American exceptionalism, which we as conservatives are attempting to conserve for this and future generations, and you'll have a ton of fun as well. Glenn Beck and some VIPs here at The Blaze are taking you on this cruise next year. You can bring your kids and grandkids as well, provided you all just have your passports updated. If you want to learn details on the different packages that are available, just go to the website, comesailaway.com. Again, that's comesailaway.com. All right, Uh, I didn't tell you guys we were going to do this on purpose, all right? Uh, but um, I, I'm, before we get to buy, sell, or hold, I got a little uh, confession to make, and and I think I think um, accountability is good for the soul. And 
early in my career, I had the opportunity to interview some important conservative leaders and some important Christian leaders who were at the junctures of their careers or stage of life that I'm at now or, you know, a little further along. And, and I, I, I couldn't believe some of the answers to my questions that I received. I mean, it, it broke me. And I, I did not intend for these to be gotcha interviews. I, I was looking for answers. And, and I, I would find myself asking, asking myself, but then also sometimes asking them in these interviews. I remember you, you've probably heard some of those back in, in oh, those yes. days. Huh? What happened to you? Where did you go wrong? I remember I talked to one prominent Southern Baptist leader. I won't name him who had heard my interview with uh, one of their mucky mucks at this time, Dr. Richard Land. He used to be the head of the, really the political arm of the Southern Baptist Convention for many years. And this was, you know, the early dawn of social media. I mean, I didn't even have a Facebook or Twitter account when I did that interview. And that thing went viral. And this would be a name, if you're any kind of a Theo nerd, you would know this name. And he looked me up after he heard this interview. And we got to talking about how disappointed and sad he was to hear some of the answers and non-answers I was getting from, from Dr. Land, who I'd known for many years. And um, he said to me, you know, he said, Steve, we, we used to send Dr. Land to Washington, D.C. to uh, raise Cain up there on the hill and let them know what we Southern Baptists expected of our elected officials. And then somewhere along the line, he just stayed there so long that he came, started coming back home and unleashing hell on us to say, hey, here's, what, here's how far your politicians are willing to go for you. Take it or leave it. And I, and I made myself a promise after that chapter of my career ended that I was going to do whatever I could do to finish well. In fact, I made my wife promise me if I get to the point, man, where it's looking like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap the brakes here, ain't the cruise control, give me the George Costanza tap, time to tap out, hand me the picture of country time, time for somebody else who still has the fire in the belly to do this. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament of a young prophet and an old prophet in a time and a period where the kings were killing all the prophets which meant if you got, as a prophet, if you got to live to old age, how'd you probably get to live to old age? Somewhere along the line, you just decided you are keep your mouth shut. You're going to say what people wanted to hear, not what you were called to say. And a young, so God calls this young prophet out there to speak to his community instead. And word gets back to this old prophet, hey man, there's this young guy out there laying down ordinance, man, spewing fire. He's doing your gig. The old prophet goes out there to confront the young prophet. And instead of like being convicted, yeah, man, I've lost my way. He brings the uh, young prophet back to his place and convinces him to become a sellout like he, like he was. <laughs> right? All right. And I'm like, I, I've got, I got to finish well. 
And often the guys who were the best when they were younger are the worst when they're older. It's almost like they feel like they have to make up for the proverbial body count and they go soft. And a lot of times we as men stay too long. Now we don't raise up another generation to take our place because we don't want to be replaced. Ego gets steps in. We're like David taking a census of his troops. And so I've tried to be mindful now that I am firmly ensconced in middle age and I'm not young anymore. And I have a grown ass man producer who doesn't know that it's not Betty Midler who has total control of my career at this point. If he pushes a wrong button, we're all done. All right. It's like the box on lost. We're just, yes. Keep the numbers rolling. You know, I look at that Miley Cyrus photo uh, from Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, what happened to the girl that I watched every episode of Hannah Montana for like five years with my daughters? What? And, and I'm firmly ensconced now. I'm not quite to get off my lawn territory yet. Zoe was laughing at me last night. We were watching uh, uh, America's Got Talent. And I never liked the dance troops. I'm just not into it. I don't like it no matter what the act is. But the way I was communicating it last night, and I, I stopped the way she was laughing because I'm like, holy crap, when did I become 60? Like I went, I, 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 could I have communicated this any crustier? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so now that I'm firmly ensconced in middle age, I am trying to be mindful of, what were the little moments? What were the little decisions? Because see, let me tell you, it's, it's often not the big moral failing. In fact, you see this in the scriptures. Often when men in leadership have a big moral failing, that actually sends them back to God, realizing when they hit rock bottom. No, it's the, it's the, it's the pudgy belly. It's the mushy middle. It's the lukewarm. Not the moral failing. Often that can be used to get you back on the right track after you spend some time, uh, you know, in an, in a bit of an earthly purgatory for that. No, it's the it's the calculations you make. I've, I've figured out. It's the little decisions you make that you're like, I, I shouldn't do that. You know, it it puts what I have in jeopardy. It puts a plan that I I want to see come forth. It it puts it in in peril. I just, you know, pop that clutch into neutral and just kind of coast right here. See, see, that's where it begins. That's, that's where it starts. And if you haven't been in a, if, if you're not a man and, or you haven't been a man in a position of public or any form of leadership or public acknowledgement, and it's probably difficult to explain the pressure. There's a little voice that goes off inside of our heads that tells us when we get to a certain spot, protect it, defend it. Look how hard you had to work to get here. Notice all the first person pronouns here. You guys picking up that at all? That, that voice, I remember the first time I heard that voice. It was one of the first times I ever did a national, uh, or it was, I did a national show that previously would not book me. And this time they wanted to have me on. And I sat down in the chair to do that interview. This was several years ago. And that voice was like, no, you know, be cool. And, I, and, and then I, I drowned it out with, you know, they, they asked Steve Dace on the show if they wanted somebody who was tamer, they should have called them. I'm going to be me. <laughs> so that's what I did. 
Um, they also never asked me back, but I took that as a sign that I did the right thing because <laughs> they put me on there with some lefty professor and who was just full of bunk. And I just told him that's total horse bleep. I'm not, de- that's not, I'm, I can't debate a falsehood. You're asking me, you're, you're a fallacy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't debate the existence of gravity. I'm not going to debate is the earth round. You're, I mean, these aren't, these are, this is magical thinking. How'd you get tenure at academia? It, no, I take it back. That's exactly how you got it. That's what I said. And that's why they never asked me back. Okay. The other day, I said something to a friend of mine that sounded smart, sounded wise, prudent even. And then like the next three days after I said it, there has been a, an increasingly loud pounding in my conscience. And so I went back to this friend of mine yesterday and said, I got to go back and readdress something I said to you. Here's the thing. And I get asked about this by you guys all the time. My own family members ask me about it all the time. Todd, you just asked me about it yesterday. Okay. I really, really want the nefarious plot movie to be made. And I'm year of no BS. Of course. No BS. I absolutely support the decision Believe Entertainment made to do the Abby Johnson film first. I think that was an inspired choice. And when you look at the impact that movie continues to have, I'm so proud of it. And, you know, so many of those people involved in the movie have thanked us for what we did to help promote the film and everything else. My only regret is I wish I could have done more. But I really want the nefarious, my, my, I, I want it to be made for some of the right reasons. And my ego wants it to be made for some other reasons too. And a friend of mine asked me my thoughts on Franklin Graham creating a cheerleading rally masquerading as a, as a pray for the president event. And what my thoughts on it were and was curious why we hadn't you know talked about it on the show. And I told him that's a, that's a black hole for me. I, I, I mean, I, I, no matter what I say about it, I cannot win. It's an unwinnable argument. And at this point in time, I, I think the message, if we do that movie right, the message that it could that it could bring to the culture could be so impactful that you know I I got to pick my spots of which fights I got to pick here, particularly when they involve people who could you know go a long way towards disseminating and popularizing your subject matter. And then the exchange ended, and for the next several days, that happened on Friday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, I could not, it, the gnawing just got louder. I could not let that go. Remember when I said on Monday's show, if you tuned in, I had no idea we we're going to spend so much time talking about that issue. Remember? Mm-hmm. You want to know why? And, and, that, and the reason is I made, the dis, I made the decision to talk about that issue. That I, 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 I've got to talk about that issue. Especially when I see two, three, now, issue instances of the same issue in different contexts coming up over and over again. I mean, we are the ideal show, given the way we conduct our affairs on a daily basis. We're the ideal show in the, in the broadcasting realm 
to tackle such subject matter. I mean, this is the ultimate intersection of faith and culture, faith and politics, faith and way of life. That's, that's the nexus of our show. And I made, I made the decision before we went on the air that day, we were going to discuss it. I didn't know we were going to discuss it for that long. But I recognized after a lot of uh, prompting and, 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 and prickling from the Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder. These are the kinds of decisions those men you used to interview once made. This was the decision they made right here, Steve. This is what they did. This is how it starts. They made calculations like this. This is always where it begins. Always. And so that's why we did what we did on Monday. And I'm bringing this up a couple of days later because I can't tell you how this is... This is the number one pressure point, I feel, at this stage of my life and my career. And some of it is good. It's prudent. Like, if you want to know why, we we talked about it in the roundtable on Friday. If you want to know why I've not written a a thousand-word column for the Blades, or we haven't done the two-hour show on the the David French debate, because I don't believe it's a debate about David French. Or, and, and I don't believe it's a debate about conservative strategy. You guys disagreed with me on that at first, but I think the way that you can see, yes. you're seeing this thing go on, my initial instincts on this one are being proven correct. This is a proxy fight for people who want their decision to go all in for Trump in 2016 to be justified as a holy act, and the people who didn't want to be justified as holier than thou. It's the same argument. It's a sixth grade uh, name-calling fight. Yeah, that's what it is. It's it, the, the real substantive debate about the approach, tactics, might have been had if the name Donald Trump was never, ever entered into the conversation. But since it is now, that's the only conversation that's really being had here. This is a custody fight between two warring wings of the conservative movement who want their current paths to be justified rather than a true iron sharpening iron about what is the path forward from here. Give me that debate and I will dirty my hands as much as anybody else. But it's, it's not a real debate. And so this is the challenge of, of this stage of my career is there is a need for some prudence. There's a lot of fake fights. There's a lot of pillow fights. There's a lot of shiny objects. There's a lot of canards. And I do have to recognize the vast majority of my audience voted for Donald Trump. Most of you enthusiastically and you want to see him be successful. And so when I am going to disagree with him, I'm not going to change my opinions. I think I've demonstrated that. I'm not going to change my opinions on an issue where Donald Trump is concerned to appease you. But I have to be prudent at the same time. I'm not going to pick stupid fights either. I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna let something he said about Bette Midler, uh, you know, which I think is just stupid and a waste of time, but should I kvetch about that for an hour if I do, stuff that he could really help us with, like what's going on at the border when I kvetch about that, you'll drown me out. See, my, see the point I'm trying to make? There is a difference between prudence and popularity and status quo and calculations. And... I crossed that line a few days ago. 
And it made me more aware of the fact this is really the challenge. See, grace can cover a lot of our failings. When we recognize, maybe you can even cover them all, when we recognize we're failing or we failed. But when we step in the middle of the grace, get in, the, get in between grace and us, and start doing the mental math, start doing the, which way is the wind blowing? Start doing the forecasting and the calculations. Start weighing the situation ethically. I, I, I think that's, that's a place where we, we put a, a, a blanket over the light and we drown it out. This is the greatest challenge for me going forward at this point in my career. Particularly as I am, I don't know another show. I went and looked it up yesterday out of curiosity. The vast majority of you don't hate Donald Trump as much as I do stuff is coming from Shannon Joy's audience. Someone most of you would have never heard of if it wasn't for our show. I love her. I love her perspective. The fact that, I, the fact that some of you who want to believe Trump tiptoes between the raindrops are offended by her is exactly why she's on here. We need to hear, how many times you've heard me say, every movement needs to hear from its contrarians. I know of no other show that would, that would allow the audience of its contributor who is in an inferior platform to troll them the way we are. We even talked about this before the show today. I am beyond annoyed by it. On the other hand, that's also one of those decisions men in my situation start making. And it leads them down a different path. This, you guys send me notes all the time, you know, what can we pray for you for? This is an area where you could do it. We're making fairly good money right now. You can tell by all the ads we're selling right now. Show is growing, despite what Facebook claims. <laughs> um. I get to come in. I don't have to be up too early. I get to come in in the middle of the day. That's perfectly convenient for me and for my family. Several years ago, a friend of mine said, man, what's your dream job in broadcasting? And I said, I like Dan Patrick's gig. He gets up. He's got friends he's works with who are capable of handling their business. So he doesn't have to babysit them. And they got his back. And he doesn't have to work too early in the morning. So he gets to still have a, a, you know, a, a life at night and he gets up and he just riffs for a few hours and goes home. That was 10 years ago. That is exactly what I have right now. <laughs> Maybe those name it and claim it guys are right about this after all. That's exactly what I have right now. I'm in a, there's very few places, even in conservative media, where you are permitted to work on the basis of can you produce and not Will you, will you pronounce what I want you to say? I happen to be at one of the rare ones. If this show go, if you come in one day and we're not here, like, you know, you keep sending me emails. What happened to We Talk Sports? We didn't get enough people to watch and listen. And so it wasn't renewed. This is one of the few places somebody like me could work. Where if I come, if, 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 you, if you tune in one day and we're not here, it is for no other reason other than we just didn't generate the numbers we, we were required. 
So many other platforms, right and left, require you to be a proxy, a mouthpiece. Whoever's writing a check or some you know, element within one of the two political parties. I, I could not ask for a better situation, which is exactly why I'm in a dangerous place. Because the temptation to clutch it, to hold it, to withhold it, hold it tightly. I don't want to lose this. See, if you want to know, I've known more of your politicians than you have, which is one of the reasons why I'm like this. <laughs> Almost none of them went there thinking. I want, I want Daniel Horowitz and Steve Dace to talk about me being a sellout one day. That's why I'm running. Most of them run because they really think they're going to do good things. And then sooner or later, though, they get there and they start making calculations. How do I stay here? Daniel brought up a good friend of ours, Ted Cruz. I had forgotten. I have a tendency not to follow Ted closely politically because everything I say gets blown up because everybody knows we have a good relationship. Okay. And so if I praise him, everybody just says, well, he's your friend. You're going to say that. And if I rip him, then it becomes like a, you know, Politico picks it up. So the best way for me to get involved in that is just simply just, it, he never comes up. We rarely talk about him on this show for that on and off the air, because when there's a personal relationship bias, he's getting involved one way or the other. But, but I hadn't even thought about the fact Ted has said nothing about this. I'll just tell you right now, three, four years ago, there's no way Ted allows what's going on at the border to go on without it becoming um, the number one, two, four, seven, nine, 10, 12, 14 things he's talking about all day long. Now, I don't know what's going on with him personally, but I'll just tell you, I, if you haven't been in positions like ours, I don't think you, and I didn't either. I don't, and now maybe I understand I should have shown a little bit more mercy to some of the men before I flogged them. But I, I can see now, I, I'm here now, and I can see the temptation to just go with the flow, man. Protect what's yours. See, that's, that's where it gets you. The big moral failing collapse, eh. We've seen Grace pick all kinds of people up when they face plant. But it's when we get, when we're in the shade, when we're in the gray, when we're kind of like, eh, man, sort of, that's where it's the darkest. And so I, I'm going to verbalize, I, I wanted to spend some time today on this show verbalizing this. And I'm, I'm going to, I want it, I want it out there that this is something I am really dealing with right now. And I want you guys to hold me accountable. When we, when we strategize about why we're not going to do something off the air, I want you to say, hey, are you sure we're not doing that for the right reasons? Okay? All right? This doesn't mean, you know, attack every windmill. That's not what it means. Prudence does matter. Be a good steward of what has been given to you is important. Okay? But don't, you know, I want to be a good steward. I also don't want to be the one who takes his talents and hides them. And the master returns and he find, to settle accounts and he finds um, that I am to be cast out because I played it safe. You guys have any thoughts on that? Well, 
I love that we did that on the show, and I didn't know it was coming, uh, but I have no concerns. We For years, ever since I've been there, been given the uh, uh, the right to tell you uh, when I thought you needed to hear a contrarian view. Uh, but uh, to the more specific question of how this works, I totally get it, because even you and I clearly, I mean, if you watch the show, Steve and I aren't the exact same person, but in this, I get it. It is so, it is so easy and natural for me to not care about what you think of me in every circle of life, not just this show. It's because it's because of how I live my life elsewhere. That you, when those moments come and you start to manage things, it's in the little voices inside your head starts. Out, well, you never sold out then and then and then and then and then. Well, you kind of earn this one. You, it's it's in there. The 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 those Lord Nefarious's are whispering. So Steve isn't just he is telling you uh, every man's tale when you have stood on that post a lot of times over and over again. It, it is because of that oftentimes that those great big sellouts uh, can suddenly happen. I, I mean, he is preaching gospel truth to you. And so th- what, what you just heard, actually, uh, it's it's Wednesday, but this, this was a uh, Theology Thursday, uh, a day early. He is telling you about how, did God really say it's, and it's what we do on the show on a regular basis, and um, quite—I mean, I'm lucky to be a part of it. Uh, quickly, I, I've told this story a ton of times. It's Todd's favorite story of mine. When I was in eighth grade, played baseball, I had a great game for the B team. Came into the dugout, watched the A team. The left fielder was really screwing up, so the coach looked at me, and I was terrible at baseball, but I had had such a good game, and I had improved so much. The coach looked at me. And he said to me, uh, if I put you out there in left field, can you make that catch? And I did the same math <laughs> that you just did. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I kind of like it right here. I like this feeling of resting on my laurels. And so my answer was, mm, maybe. <laughs> he put in uh, Samuel and song instead. And I sat on the bench for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's the lesson that I learned. Mm-hmm. That's not just guys who are in your position. You learn that. All of the, or I hope that you learn that all the time, and you're faced with those decisions and are conscience, conscience, uh, conscious and w- aware enough to be able to see the decision that you're faced with and make the right decision. Yep, it it is it is a constant. Um, it's a it's a it's a constant temptation, and I, mean, I, I have. I've I've gotten this far by essentially going big or going home. Absolutely. And so if I can be tempted to go against the very brand that has made me successful, I think mm-hmm. that gives you an idea of of how tempting it is once you reach a certain place in a career like this. We'll come back. Buy, sell, or hold is next. Stay tuned. Hey, if you struggle looking for that burst of energy to finish out uh, another busy day before you go get one of those little bottles with all those chemicals you can't pronounce, uh, check out from dawn to dusk from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, the, the team of top nutritions there gathered together to develop a mo- the most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart. Uh, but also your brain and your cells. And the formula they came up with is called From Dawn to Dusk. It provides clean energy focus and improved mood for up to 10 hours. And there's no jitters, no afternoon crash. 
Also, no calories and no sugar. So if you want to give this a try, if you want energy nature's way, here's how you can give it a shot. Uh, go to BrickHouseSteve.com. That's the website. BrickHouseSteve.com. And when you check out, use my name, Steve, as a promo code. When you do, they'll give you 15% off of your first order. When you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, it's called From Dawn to Dusk at BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. All right, are you guys ready to go? Let's get to it. Ready to go. This week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. This is where our producer, Aaron, with a little help from his friends, meaning most of you in the audience, puts forth a series of propositions. Todd, you and I will decide. Are we buying that? Are we selling that? Hopefully we have at least one good reason why we chose to make the choice that we did. And then once per episode, we are permitted, just only once though, Johnny Dangerously, we are permitted to put a hold on said proposition. But if we do so for any other reason other than the proposition is so lame that it's beneath the dignity of your intellect to acknowledge, the dude code calls for you to be mercilessly, mercilessly scorned, mocked, maybe even flogged to the point that you're going to need some relief factor when it's over. All right? Millions of Americans struggling with pain right now need to try. If you're struggling with chronic pain or you've been flogged recently for violating the dude code, you need to check out Relief Factor. Uh, I am a big fan of this product. We've had so many success stories here at The Blaze with Relief Factor as well. It is uh, drug-free, 100% drug-free. All right, But it is made by physicians who can prescribe drugs. So that tells you they were looking for ways they could get to the body's natural healing process. Nature, your creator, put things in your body, processes in your body to push back on inflammation, which is causing that chronic pain. There are four key natural ingredients in Relief Factor that are meant to help your body do exactly that. And now you can try it for just $20, three weeks. A dollar a day if you want to give it a shot. What do you have to, what do you got to lose? Maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Aaron. Uh, quick question. Did you know you were going to be making that segue or did it just come to you? Just kind of came to me there. That's why I get paid the above average bucks, brother. Well done. Uh, first one is from <laughs> Capitano Bicano. Uh, Democrats are going full GOP by teasing impeachment and not delivering. Can we, let's define delivering. This, can we, can I put up the, I think we sure. have to define deliverance. Sure. Okay. Will there be a vote? Will 435 members of Congress vote on the House floor for the impeachment of Donald, for an impeachment referral to be sent to the Senate? Can we, for the sake of his question, let's define that as delivering. Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Okay. Now. Ask the question again. What is it again? Democrats are going full GOP by teasing impeachment and not delivering. Todd, you go first. I will sell uh, at least, I'm 51% confident at least, for the same reasons as they vote for things like the Equality Act, that they will take uh, a vote on this. Yeah, I think, and I think this goes back to the conversation we had about Joe Biden last hour. And just since we had that conversation, there's some new polling data that has him now dropping into the 20s. I knew it. Um, and that now could explain why he was out there yesterday trying to, you know, triathlete the Laugh, Laugh Olympics. Uh, you know, yes, uh, round up the Christians for the Rainbow Jihad. Trump's killing, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, black Americans who have uh, gender uh, dysphoria, mental disorder, and um, I'm going to literally plagiarize Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. He did that all yesterday. And having now worked and been around, worked on and been around numerous campaigns, I now think that that they have this data. They always have this data before we do, guys. All right. And their data is always better. So why did he suddenly go from, let me just hang out at these really cool, uh, you know, uh, uh, restaurants in in neighborhoods in in New Hampshire and talk to old people to let me go out there and uh, Trump's killing black trannies. Campaigns don't just don't just do things like that unless there's some data that they have and they get it before we do that says like when Carl Lewis is trying to sing the national anthem. Oh, oh. And then they and then they always mobilize to like instantly overreact to it. All right. And now that this data has gone public, now it makes his behavior yesterday. It doesn't make more sense to you now. Yeah, it makes more sense now. Still think it's dumb, but it makes more sense now. Right. So if after only a month. With the wind at his back and a pretty nice polling bounce, Joe Biden thinks Uncle Joe's got to go. And hey, hey, ho, ho, Western civilization's got to go, needs to come out instead, (laughs) all right? Then if you can do that to Joe Biden in a month before we even get to these debates that are coming later this month, then there is no way they can team GOP in impeachment debate. There, There is no way Jerry Nadler could subpoena Robert Mueller to testify, and then they don't have a vote on the floor. Are you kidding me? Folks will be cutting themselves. Rachel Maddow will light herself on fire, have Chris Hayes put her out just so she can then light herself on fire again. So no, uh, hard sell here. Yeah, I would have to. I'd have to agree with that as well. Uh, Jake Vanek says, Dr. Uh, now, I don't usually do predictions like these when they're suggested. Uh, Dr. Do, Dr. Drew prediction about a disease outbreak this summer in Los Angeles will be true. Dr. Drew is, I guess, is he still fairly, around the sex doctor from MTV M- yeah, M- or is yeah. that a different Dr. Drew? No, he's, he's saying that the bubonic plague, typhoid fever, uh, a bunch of other airborne and uh, bacteria-linked uh, viruses are going to be inflicting Los Angeles this summer. Based on what? What? what why? Tons why? of garbage. Tons of fecal matter. Tons of all of the stuff. Oh, yeah, fleas as well. Uh, tuberculosis. Apparently, there are some cases. So, what's of, happened earlier in Western yeah. civilization? We didn't practice sanitation. Yep. Things of that nature. Um. Bye. I, I could yeah, buy, it buy it on top of. Well. Hey, if we're going to import a bunch of illegals. Who, See, and here's the that, thing too: if if you if you are living in the democratic Congo and having a nice life, and you have good medical care, you know what you're not doing? You're not crossing, you know, 75 water boundaries and countries to to illegally come to the United States, right? So if we're going to take people that are in the lowest rungs of societies that are are hardened third world countries, and then you throw in all of the the yeah. sanitation. I mean, have you been to San Francisco recently? I was no. there a few years ago, and no. we had a conservative conference there for, you know, the Skull and Bone Society of Conservatism, the Council for National Policy, had an event in San Francisco for reasons literally only Allah knows. What a dump! What an absolute, complete and total, and I mean, 
dumb guys I, I used to go, I, i've been through seattle recently same thing there's a documentary thing. about that what happened hey, to hey, seattle and i'm telling you I, this is coming from a guy i used to go to detroit several times a year for a sporting event all right where we would count <laughs> burned out crack that. houses on i-94 i mean I'm, I'm not a shrinking violent when it comes to american uh destitution and even i thought san francisco was a toilet okay so i'll buy it Sure. Yeah. Stop um, for for people who are still doing this. Stop. Stop calling Todd a terrible person and an asset to child abuse. Just if if you're going to make an argument against Todd as far as vaccinations go, just say the illegal you know the illegal Im- immigration problem. He'll still be able to come back with stuff. But that's right, probably- since, I, I wish you would not have done that. But since you did, okay. <laughs> since you did, and yes, that is my annoyed face. Since you did, here's the thing because I keep getting emails about this from like four of you, <laughs> right? Here, here's the thing. I, you know why I'm not particularly concerned about Todd's vaccination choices? Because I'm vaccinated. So are my kids. Uh-oh. I, I don't, stop. I, I if, if I need to be, if, if my vaccinations and my kids' vaccinations can't withstand the errors and families' decisions, then I, I don't know why we ever got vaccinated at the point of vaccination. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I grew up with a mom who was an ER nurse and ran clinics. I was around the medical profession my entire life. So I, I don't understand the idea that I'm vaccinated, but have to be afraid of someone who's not. That's why I got vaccinated. So the more you know. And now I'm never addressing this, and I mean it, ever again. Ever. Well, if I don't get you that way, I'll get you with my Catholicism. (laughs) (laughs) I'd much rather have you tried that route. All right? Go ahead. I'm here for you, Steve. Uh, Chuck Gregory says uh, Democratic candidate for president will campaign on removing Christmas as a federal holiday because insert social justice uh, warrior reason. Bye. Oh, I'll sell on that. Bye. I'll sell on that. Oh, uh, this I am in. Wow, fifty-one percent. Uh, I I think I'm going to have to narrowly sell. But boy, I want to buy. The only reason I'm going to sell is this is. One of the rare things they've lost in recent years was the war on Christmas. They lost that war. We won the war on Christmas, guys. <laughs> Which rarely stops them, but... But, they... but, but let me finish my point, yeah. okay? that's one, This is one of the rare fronts they've opened up where the pushback was so immense that they've, they've run away from it. And but, and, and but they have so many other areas now where they can intrude and impose without having to touch that particular... It's it, it like, imagine a stove that's got nine burners. Only one of them is hot. And the other eight are cool to the touch, all right? The Christmas, the one that's hot says war on Christmas. They've got eight other burners right now that they can just hit, like Danny DeVito, hit me, hit me, hit me, double down, triple down, quadruple down, and everything. And, and no matter what they say to it, no matter how hard they touch it, they can't get burned, that I think will be distractions for them instead. You know, I got to change... I don't disagree. I'm changing. I'm going. I'm going to buy this Christmas as a campaign event. Todd says, "Hey, because that burner uh, says don't yes. touch. That's why well, they're going to do it." Donald Trump is going to Christmas <laughs> the hell out of this season. You know he is. It's coming, and he's going to force them to just lose their mind. So no, I'm changing. I'm buying. 
All right, uh, Jason says the prime in the prime of their pro wrestling careers, Ric Flair was better than Hulk Hogan despite the TV coverage difference in the WWF over the then NWA. Uh, I'm going to sell. But and I loved them both, which was odd. And I've loved them both at the same time because they, they, they both appealed to the twin aspects of my persona, uh, my personality. Ric Flair, the contrarian, I, I give zero Fs, negative, negative, negative integer Fs. I give about your opinion, and and let me and, and just just so you know that yes, I'm talking about you. Let me single you out. <laughs> All right, I'm totally in on that. But man, I was a little Hulkamaniac as a kid. I had the wrestling album. Um, you know, I was a real American. Okay. I mean, I, I, I loved Hulk Hogan. I watched the wrestling cartoon. Was, you know? uh, was the first name Hulk a derivative of the Marvel comic? Or I was that after or before? I, uh, well, the Marvel comic is much older than oh, Hulk okay. Hogan. It came out like in the early sixties. Okay. So, uh, I, I, I don't think you can compare them cause they were two totally different characters that appealed to vastly different audiences. Um, so I, I, I don't know that you can say one is better or the, over the other because and when and when Ric Flair went to the WWF, um, he never got the chance to wrestle uh, Hulk Hogan. They wanted to make it happen and never did. And um, so I, I don't know that you can say one is better or the other because they're it, they're dramatically different. It's a let me give you an analogy. It's like it, it's like arguing um, who's better, Led Zeppelin or U2. They're totally different styles of music. Have you listened to Greta Van Fleet yet? I, I, I know who Fred Van Fleet is. He's yeah, the uh, sixth no. man for the Toronto Raptors. You, you need to listen to Greta Van Fleet. Did that yeah. just come up in a discussion of U2 and Led Zeppelin? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you're fired twice. But um, you, I don't know that you can, you can't debate U2 or Led Zeppelin. They're just totally different artists. And I think Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are totally different. So I'm going to sell. Yeah, I'm selling, but I... Plus, I don't have to choose. This is one of those things that seems so self-evidently true that it's Hulk Hogan that I hope this is a great example of the clause in the dude code violation where this guy fully believes that it is, in fact, Ric Flair and will go to his grave arguing for it. If that's who you are, God bless you, because that is a great, great win for I the I will dude say code. this. Ric Flair, in terms of taglines... I mean, there's like, there's, 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 there's the scriptures and like my favorite theologians like Augustine and Spurgeon. And then there's like the Godfather movies. And then there's like the Dark Knight. And then there's Ric Flair. He is high on the quotable list. Walk that aisle to be the man. You got to beat the man. Yes, absolutely. Very nice. Uh, Bradley Schick says the new Big Ten commissioner will get Notre Dame into the Big Ten. Bye. I'm going to buy this actually. Uh, He's a Notre Dame guy. Notre Dame is already in the Big Ten in hockey. Um, and I believe, I think people forget how close the vote in 99 was for Notre Dame to join the first time. I think you'll get, you're getting a, a, a younger generation there, for better or for worse, this, as the school loses more and more of its Catholic identity. Um, overall, that's bad. The trade-off will be, though, um, a higher emphasis on, ath- on competitive athletics. And... Um, I think that I could I I do think that was one of the reasons why Kevin Warren was named the commissioner of the Big Ten yesterday is the fact that he's a domer. You know, I was gonna sell before you said that. Uh I think I think I'll buy now narrowly. Here's the thing. Do you agree with me that Notre Dame losing and 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 
tossing aside its Catholic heritage because its independence was a part of that. We're, we're a transcendent institution. Kind of like BYU. Yeah, we're a national institution, right? And that's and so our independence is a way of asserting that's part of our identity. But the less Catholic you're going to be, the less reason there is for you to be distinctly independent from everybody else, particularly when they would make far more money being in the Big Ten than they're making right now. I actually think that w- we have a school here locally the Catholic school Dowling. Mm-hmm. When I moved here almost 20 years ago, it, that's roughly around the time it officially, it was just Dowling. Now it's Dowling Catholic. Mm-hmm. Now well, it did that while becoming less and less Catholic, but Brent, I, I, I think this is a way that actually it want it, it going to the big 10 was a way. I think it would actually want to increase its Catholic identity at the very least as a marketing ploy. Okay. Um, but I don't uh, disagree with you in terms of uh, what's happened over the course of time in terms of its brand and what brought them to this place. One more really quick. Uh, Andrew Duvall says, Aaron will get a, uh, and apologies to Gary, who will be tuning out, our listener Gary, who will be tuning out at the mere mention of Harry Potter. Uh, Aaron will get a Harry Potter <laughs> tattoo to match Steve's Harbaugh one. I'm, I'm, Bye, it's my uh, idol. Yes. Uh and you have to as well, um, because that's what witchcraft commands you to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sell. You have a reason why? You you two don't seem like tat people. I'm not a I'm not a tattoo person. Do you have one, Aaron? No. I didn't think so. Yeah. So yeah, you guys don't seem like tat. Although people. I do love that ad. Stay in your lane, bro. I love <laughs> that ad. I love that ad. Um, hey, some breaking news, possibly the worst data breach in U.S. history. Brace yourself if you're a homeowner. One of the biggest real estate title companies suffered a breach of nearly 900 million homeowners' titles. Okay, Your home's title mortgage, bank loans, personal info may be in the hands right now of identity thieves. They'll forge your, your home's title so it appears that you sold it. Then they'll get loans from online lenders using your equity as collateral and then stick you with the payments. Your lender can't protect you. Identity theft protection can't protect you from this either. But for pennies a day, home title lock will. Okay, The first 30 days after a breach are crucial. So... I'm going to give you 30 days of protection from Home Title Lock for free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now to learn more. All right. Help have them put a virtual barrier around the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. All right. Uh, No obligation. The first 30 days of protection are free right now. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Any quick final thoughts? 30 seconds, Todd. Uh, yeah, don't end up in a ditch. I'm taking that from Aaron because that's basically what you did with your talk about, um, end well. It's another version of that. And it's don't end up in a ditch. Yeah, because I practice witchcraft, I'm going to go home and sacrifice a goat. Have a good Wednesday, everyone. Well, that had a dark turn. Uh, everybody else have a great day. We'll stick around for some overtime and we'll exercise Aaron beforehand. Until then, John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.